Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome to the OFD Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Voles, Site Manager, Emperor, Supreme Warlord, and Defender of the Faith over at OneFootDown.com on the SB Nation Network. And joining me once again is my Senior Editor and the Commissioner, Jude Seymour, and the Chief Inspector, Brendan McElinden. Fellas, what's up? Uh, are, we re- are we ready for Kenobi to kick off in a couple days? Yeah. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little wary, but uh, I'm uh, I'm excited for it. Yeah, my kids are too young for Kenobi. Um, they they like the Star Wars movies, but I they have no patience for following series um, that don't aren't available to them like right now. So, are you on that level? I mean, I are you are you a uh... No, see, my problem is that my wife doesn't watch any of this stuff, right? And so oh, man. then it's down to me to watch it by myself. And frankly, I gotta be honest, I'd rather sleep. I, don't, I really enjoy sleep. So I figure we'll catch up to it when my kids are older. We'll watch it together. Well, I mean, a smart move is like waiting three or four episodes anyways. Which yeah. is all, it's always a, a, a good move. That way you can... Can't do kind that. of take it, take it as much as you can. I can't, I can't. But do I'm pretty, that. I'm pretty excited about this. I'm pretty excited about this one. I mean, they they bring back fucking Hayden Christensen. Yeah, oh. that's uh, <laughs> they are. Yep, he was definitely the part of that's the a, Star Wars trilogy I loved. Uh, <laughs> that deserves a moment. I thought it was interesting to hear uh, Ewan McGregor say that 100% of the dialogue in uh, Attack of the Clones was 80-yard. Did you hear about that? No. Yeah, apparently they were using... I'm going to screw this up, but like they were using some sort of technology with these boom um, shots, these like boom cranes or these crane shots or whatever, and they were just making so much noise that all of the dialogue that was recorded 
on set was unusable. So they had to go in and do and their entire lines in the studio. And now people are saying that the reason that some of the performances are really not good is because the actors had a tough time recreating the magic in the, you know, in the sound studio to the, to the exact performance that they gave on screen. That seems like a bullshit. I mean, I don't know how different the wine level of Anakin could be from Attack of Clones. <laughs> I mean, that is, that is such bitch mode. And, and I think when I first watched I mean, it, I know. excited to see. Well, I mean, when you first watch it, too, and you're thinking, God, God, what a bitch, you know? What a little bitch. But then you remember it's like, oh, this is like a a 19-year-old kid who's in love. Of course he's a bitch. Yeah. Yeah. He's not He's not 44-year-old married man who has scorn for the the entire world. He actually has hope for love and for life. And so he might be a little whiny. Well, plus the, you know, it doesn't matter if you give it on. I, I know this is, uh, uh, I, I, I don't think that it changes the dialogue and that um, the writing is still the writing, right? And so when you say, I don't like sand, yeah. it's coarse and rough and irritating and it gets everywhere. Like, that's still a bad line, whether you say it in the studio or and you yet, say it on the screen, right? And yet it's so memorable. It's, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's. it's it's the two yard. It's the two yard fullback dive on fourth and one. I mean, it's, it's. I mean, it is one of the more memorable lines for that movie. And yet, you just made fun of it. Yet here we are talking about it, uh, twenty years past its uh, its release date. Remarkable. Yeah. Fucking George Lucas just poops out money. He does do that. <laughs> just like what, what? What do you? What do you use to wipe when you're just put? Not greenbacks, you know. More money. <laughs> the gold bars from Notre Dame's uh, uh, recruiting throne. <laughs> yeah, if only uh, if only Johnny Depp was married to George Lucas, he would have found a cool stack of hundos in his bed instead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, someone, uh, someone today put on Facebook. Apparently, some uh, some park. In California, was brought up in the uh, in the deaf and heard thing, and it was, it's called Hicksville. And of course, so so somebody, of course, from our neck of the woods, is like, "Is anyone paying attention?" And we're like, "No, no." <laughs> like, it's great hearing them say Hicksville in this in this uh, in this trial. Like, what the hell? I mean, the the right hand bar of Twitter reminds me that that the uh, this trial that I'm not paying attention to is entering its sixth and final week. Yeah, I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, what the fuck are they talking about for six weeks? I mean, obviously, defecation in the in the bedroom. I, I'm not into these things anyways, but at some point, I think after six weeks, I would have like leaned over a little bit just to see what the hell the fuss was about. And I just I have not. And I'm so proud of myself. No, I, I, I just. It took me four of those weeks to realize that it was a defamation trial. I knew it was in a criminal trial, but I had no idea. Like it was just, I was just like, and I don't know what they're doing. And it's one he already lost in England. He already had See, this lawsuit. That's more information than I knew. <laughs> I mean, someone told me that, and I'm like, wait a minute. So we're we're just we're redoing the trial in a different country. I'm like, I wish I had that kind of time and money on my hands. 
because I would I'd start suing uh, uh, whatever fucking asshole on Twitter said that we were bullshit because we talk about frozen pizza. Fuck you. Ooh. How about that? Fuck you. Use those words. Uh, anyways. <laughs> Reminder to anyone that, I don't know, <laughs> likes, to hear, likes to hear about college football and frozen pizza in one podcast. I know I fucking do. Reminder to any of you out there, get on over to Apple Podcasts, leave a rating, leave a review, whatever review that you leave. I will read word for word on the next OFT podcast. We went through a bunch last week, did not have any tonight, so we can we can just move right along. Uh, <clears throat> gentlemen, let's get into some kind of recruiting news. Uh, this week we had four-star running back Cedric Irvin decommit from Notre Dame. Uh, Cedric Irvin is the father of uh, – or the father of the son, the son of, of. <laughs> former Michigan State running back. Uh, they might be in the mix uh, – and, you know, they're from Florida, could be Miami, but none of that really matters. The the reason why Irvin decommitted from Notre Dame, although it was not given by him, is obviously Notre Dame is trying to, you know, recruit him, recruit over him already. Uh, part of this class, uh, but we are expecting Jaden Lamar to commit. Uh, they have a an official visit scheduled with five-star number one running back in the country, Richard Young. Um, I mean, it's just, you know, Gabrang Payne. You know, coming on on board this spring, this it, the push out is there. Not necessarily saying they were doing it on purpose, but they're going after the best available talent they can get. And the writing was a little bit on the wall. And I mean, I feel bad for the kid, but I mean, it's he has options. He's going to be just fine. It's not like he's going to land at. Oh, I don't know. He's not going to land at Western Michigan, uh, so he'll be fine. I mean, what, I guess, what do you think about that, Jude? I know you don't follow recruiting quite as closely as, as myself or Brendan, but uh, I mean, what do you kind of think about getting having a guy commit back in I think it was September and already getting recruited over? Now, keep in mind, you Marcus Freeman was not the head coach in September either. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually think this is the healthiest time to do this kind of stuff. Um, you know, I, I, I remember what uh, Autry Denson said when he was here, which was, you know, that they were going to they told every kid we're going to just try to recruit over. We're going to try to recruit a, a guy better than you in the next cycle. Right. And so this one is this cycle. And this gives the kid an opportunity to find a, a landing spot that works for him. And I'm sure Notre Dame probably that was a tough conversation for Notre Dame to have, but an honest one. And. I'm happy for both parties because it's early enough in the, the session that they can, you know, move, move along. Right. So I think that this kind of stuff is fine. Brennan, your I, thoughts on it? Oh yeah. It just means, uh, Richard Young, uh, confirm, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lock it up. Lock it up. Just lock it up. <laughs> no, I mean, it, make, it makes sense with the kid. Um, and I'm not going to begrudge anybody, uh, you know, especially because, like you said, uh, a very important part is he didn't commit to uh, Freeman. And Freeman, I guess, didn't fully commit to him because he wasn't the one he signed with. So, um, yeah, we added kids. Um, so 
it's it's not like it's a it's a glaring it's not like wide receiver right and it's not like you're you're bowing out uh with a you know two weeks to go uh a morian walker style right 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 yeah it's look the thing i hate the most about this honest to god is the fucking is the colors being shown by notre dame fans that really don't have any idea how recruiting works so, you know, you post this, I post this story to Facebook and within 20 minutes, I got all, you get all sorts of responses from people like just nasty shit, like, yeah. like knocking this kid down. Like, this is not his fault. This is, oh like, yeah, guess no. He doesn't, guess he doesn't want to be a part of it. Blah, blah. I mean, like, just like really like mean spirited shit. Like, no, he really did. It was our, our fault. There's no, if you even want to say fault, but this is Notre Dame's doing. And I just I hate the fans. So like this name sticks out or, you know, you get the uh, who, whatever. Oh, no. Like, no, dude, like, don't be dicks about it. Right. Don't be dicks. This, ain't, this isn't that situation. Even if it was, don't be dicks. But I mean, <laughs> this ain't that situation. But it is that it was absolutely typical. And I just I like calling out people for being assholes. Like, don't be an asshole. <clears throat> oh. Yeah, I just look. They came to a situation where it was a, it was agreeable for both sides to do to you know go separate directions and you know I hope the kid finds a spot that's perfect for him. It, it, to be honest with you, it's not a lot different than um, you know kids that get uh, you know waitlisted and have their hearts on Notre Dame and then and don't get in. You you feel for them, but at the same time you hope that there's a better future for them at, at some other place. Absolutely. Um. Another story I wanted to bring up, uh, and I put, I put it up on the site this week too. What the fuck is up with uh, ESPN and USC? How is USC a preseason number four team in the country uh, just because they signed some good wide receivers and quarterbacks? Well, somebody's going to get embarrassed on that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how in – how wrong can you be about something like, did, did you get any offensive linemen? No. Did no. you get any defensive linemen? No. no. Where are we at then? They did get, they did get a, a corner. Um, but I mean, it, uh, yeah, this is they, just falling. This is falling in love with names, right? Well, this so is precisely is, what it is. Yeah. It's yeah. precisely what it is. The Bolitnikoff winner goes to USC and, um, this it's, it's essentially clickbait, it's essentially just clickbait, right? Slide USC up there. And when they fail spectacularly, which they will, um, you know, they're, they're this year's North Carolina, as far as team. That's like, you're, you're really doing that, huh? Cause it was the same thing with North Carolina last year where they were getting, um, they fell in love with Sam Howell and they, ignored well, it, all of the deficiencies that North they didn't Carolina. ignore it. They said it was a it was a net positive that they were bringing back all their offensive linemen. That's, they they used it as a selling point. And I still see articles written today, you know, where, where they're breaking down. I think it was Athlon Spring Preview for North Carolina. They were like, uh, and even though they brought back their whole offensive line, they uh, they didn't live up to the expectation. It's like, well, they brought back five shitty guys, and they were slightly well, less shitty. 
<laughs> yeah, Brendan, I mean, just this is a great time as any to to remind, and I think we're preaching the choir for our for our fandom in terms of people that listen to us, but returning production is not a great metric. It's just a t- it's just not predictive in the way that Bill Connolly wants it to be predictive. And, no. uh, you know, some of these magazine writers want it to be predictive. It's just like uh, Brendan's 100 percent right on, which is like if you bring on five, if you bring on five dudes, it can't just be any five dudes. It's got to be five dudes that um, work together as a Kill team. It. If it's yeah. an offensive line. Yeah, exactly. Or have stats or, you know, and then health still plays a pa- factor in all that stuff. So this returning produ- production metric is just it's weighted way too heavy. And it's if you go back at the end of the season and we've done this analysis before, you end up looking a really silly in terms of the teams that you were like, oh, this team's going to be great because they return 92 percent of their starters. It's like. Yeah. Okay. Well, and Connolly did definitely dinged USC for it because um, I, I, I think USC is what the fourth or fifth highest SP plus team uh, Notre Dame plays this year. Uh, he's got them. He's got them down there. Um, and it is it, it's hilarious because how many how many roster uh, scholarship players can you have on your team? Uh, 85? 85? Yeah. Um, USC has 42 players on their current active roster right now that weren't a part of their team at the conclusion of last season. <laughs> wow. 42. It was That's 41. Insane. And then with the addition, um, that brings them to 42. So they have 42 brand new players that weren't associated with the university in any facet. Uh, it's season's end. That is unbelievable to me. And w- w- without, I guess, without sounding like sour grapes or knocking a kid, how good is Jordan Addison really? I mean, keep in mind the majority of his he played for Pitt, so you're you're playing we, cup games. We sure as hell take an, him. A, yes, no, absolutely. No, I, I guess <laughs> what I'm saying, what I'm saying is. He's a good. He's a really good wide receiver, but is he? Is he better than Drake London? You know what I'm saying? Like, just because he won the Bolitnikoff for Pitt playing against ACC teams, right? Is he really that? Is he? Is he really like under? Is he enough to put you in the top four? You know what I'm saying? It just. They're like after Jordan Addison decided to make this move. These are the new adjusted rankings, and it's like what. Like this, <laughs> the, well, the, it's slapping a spoiler on your '97, you know, Honda Civic, because there's 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 problems other places, and you're just putting one more little luxury item onto a roster that has deficiencies yeah. in so many other places whoa, that like whoa, 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 there's no deficiencies to uh, to a Honda, Brendan. I uh, smacked a spoiler <laughs> on a on a '91 Accord, and it, it was bad as hell. Yeah, yeah, but. <laughs> It doesn't. It doesn't change the fact that it's got three hundred thousand miles and that it's burning oil. It just. They have problems in other positions, and there's a lot of upheaval in their uh, brand new, almost an entirely brand new coaching staff with players that haven't played each with each other, much less the coaching staff. And then, and then you bring in a wide receiver and suddenly it's like, oh, yeah, this will do it. Because the thing that USC has lacked over the last decade of futile uh, performance is a wide receiver. That's the thing that <laughs> USC hasn't had. That's what's that's what's going to get them over the hump. I mean, what, Drake yeah, London was top, been... 
what top fifteen last year, right? Top fifteen, the, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's no the slot. Right. They and we watched talented we watched wide receivers. About, I mean, yeah, he he, he absolutely it. tore up Notre Dame. Good good yes. good show. Great effort. They still how many lost touchdowns? Yeah, how many touchdowns? Two, two touchdowns. How many touchdowns? He, he never scored. He never scored. Notre Dame. I mean, every year they seemingly have just a, a plethora of talented wide receivers. And every year it's the same thing, whether or not it's, you know, Tyler Vaughn's or Amon Ross St. Brown, or it's, you know, Michael Pittman, uh, you know, it just go down the list of all of the, the good guys that they've had, you know, Deontay Burnett, just they, they've had Juju Smith-Schuster. And th- these are like USC teams that are bad, you know, and just Nelson Aguilar. Right. I mean, these are guys, Marquise Lee, these are guys that go and play in the NFL, Robert Woods. These are guys that play in the NFL, but it doesn't matter. All of these USC teams sucked. They were all awful. And so many of the guys that you named at one point or another played with another one of the, I mean, the, this wasn't like one year they had this guy. One oh, year they, they were stacked. One, yeah. Every year they've been stacked at the position every year. It is, if you want to be jealous about a, about a, a school, you can be jealous about USC's wide receiver room over the last decade and a half, 20 years. Yeah. But that hasn't really done anything for him. No, what which which coach number? Is this coach number four in the last decade? Right? Uh you had Kiffikins, um, you had Kiffin, Helton, you had Sark, Helton, Orgeron. Ogeron. It was an interim. But yeah, I, I mean, as far as like f- employed by the university as the head coach, not interim, this is number four. In a decade, which is, what do you guys and you do? Thought the, and you thought the swing from from Davy to Weiss was wild, right? <laughs> you know. And if there's one thing that you know USC has, they've they've had some issues with, um, you know, trenches both sides, and so um, you know their defensive line, their sack numbers Riley are always putrid. So and Riley didn't even bring his offensive line coach from Oklahoma. No, he didn't. Uh, Biedenbach or whatever his name is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I mean, which would have been an asset to him. I mean, that would. I mean, that would have been someone I would think. Well, because Oklahoma's would, had some of the best offensive lines, uh, technically, I guess. Right. Uh, they, they won. A, he's a he's a Joe Moore Award winning offensive line coach, right? Yeah, they've done. They've been really. Somehow he doesn't go along with you to L.A. And your deficiency is the offensive line out there. Without, I think, mean, without a doubt, that's your worst. Like you're probably your worst unit. Yeah. Other than defensive line, their defensive line is awful. I mean, if they, if they have 20 sacks this season, I am going to be absolutely shocked if they can manage 20 sacks. Last year, this is this is a a playoff predictive team. Right. Last year they had 21 sacks, <laughs> and this year, Jake Drake Jackson's gone. This year they're going to be worse. And I guess you could sell me on a on an older Corey Foreman. But like, this is not going to be a very good pass rushing team. Um, so, but they got another wide receiver who can who can ball. So, so good for them, good for I them. guess. Yeah, congratulations. So, so the entire top ten, the readjusted, you know, after Jordan Addison commits to transfer to SC, they adjusted it. The entire adjustment looks like uh, starting from number one through Bama, Ohio State, Georgia, USC, A and M. Utah, Notre Dame, NC State, Michigan State, Michigan. This is the most fucked up top 10 I've ever seen in my life, right. hands down, period. 
Are you Utah? Nice. I, Michigan State. What? I don't understand how there is a world in which Michigan State doesn't lose to Ohio State by at least three touchdowns until they can figure like they did last. They lost by what? One hundred forty six points because Michigan State doesn't have a secondary. Like, like they, I don't even care how good Auburn's supposed to be this year. I'm just going to go ahead and say Auburn's better than the top than six of those teams that I just listed off. I don't know. I just it NC State in there. I it doesn't even make sense to me. May, and maybe I'm being obtuse or maybe I'm just haven't done much oh, research. No. Big, big big game boomer is going to be upset at you. Number they're tier 1, man. Tier yeah, 1. Okay. Is a tier one group right there? <laughs> tier one. Yeah, it just makes absolutely no sense to me. You can't. Everyone can't go on this whole like SEC fucking uh, jerk fest that they've been on for the last decade, and then your only SEC teams in this top ten are Bama and Georgia. Well, I guess A and M, but I mean I don't even count no. them. But I mean, come on. How does I just don't? I don't. None of this makes any sense to me. Uh, <laughs> maybe I'm just being a, a completely a huge idiot here in May, but I look at this top 10 and I, if you gave me that, I've been like, what is this? Uh, you know, is this, is this darts? Is this college bowling? Cause it, there, there's just some, there's just some situation here that doesn't make sense. I don't know. It's just pretty wild. <laughs> but I mean, if, I mean, Jordan Addison, man, I mean, might as well pay him five million. That's how much he's worth. Look at how much he's worth. They might be, actually. But (laughs) if you ask Pat Narduzzi, they might be. Speaking of speaking of money, did you guys feel how did you guys feel about the the news drop, the financials from the ACC uh, for the 2020, 2021 season? Oh, Jude. Yeah. I, I missed it. What, what? Give me the bottom line. 18%. Basically, the ACC reported a, a revenue record in 2020. Okay. Which was the year that Notre Dame was in the conference. Yep. Which? Cool. How do you feel about that? I feel great. It, it makes sense because you you put a team, you put two ACC teams in the college football playoff, and that's yeah. that's a financial boon. Um, it, it does. You know, it is the COVID year that happened to be the year that they I'm not sure a ton of conferences had banner years during the COVID year. Um, but here's the ACC because Notre Dame's there. Uh, and this was their record. This is their record year. This is of the all time highest grossing year. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it, it makes sense. It was I mean, Notre Dame, it, Notre Dame is relevant and Notre Dame makes money. It was 80 million dollars more than the year prior. <laughs> It was wow. a, 2020 was a gross revenue of 578 million. And so what, what what does one conference get for putting a team into the college football playoff? I, I'm not sure if the um, I'm not sure of that payout off the top of my head. What I do know is that <clears throat> the 15 full the the other 15 ACC members, not Notre Dame, they brought home 36.1 million dollars. And Notre Dame took home 34.9. It's not a bad chunk of change. Yeah, Notre Dame made more money than they normally do. And yet yeah. somehow Pat Nard- somehow Pat Narduzzi feels like at least we got their TV money. <laughs> like who gives a shit? 
I know, Pat. You lost. You lost on that deal, bud. <laughs> I mean, it was funny then. It, it remains funny now. They were totally fine with it, just as long as they got a piece of that that TV money. Even though Notre Dame got more, <laughs> it just makes no sense. Like, why would you even worry then? Pat Narduzzi and his moral victories. It's the only kind of victories he can get. Well, after you, you take the victories where you can get. After you lose the Belitnikov winner to Lincoln Riley, sure. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, man. Is there anything else we want to get into before we get into the thing? Oh, yeah. So, uh, Matty Green on Saturday put out the question, the, the most pertinent question of the, of the offseason, should Notre Dame put names in the back of their jerseys? And I mean, I guess I was a little shocked at the amount of just pure nose out there. Like, like I, I guess I should have been, but it wasn't even just like, it was just, wasn't like just like a vote. No, it was just like, a, I'm going to go full Unabomber and drink my own pee in the Montana wilderness. No, uh, kind of a thing they had going on. Uh, so I'll say this. I have no problem if you want names on the jerseys. I have no problem if you don't want names on the jerseys. And I guess I have no problem if that's what you like or dislike uh, fashion-wise. But if you have a no for any other reason other than you don't like the way it looks, you are absolutely 1,000% dead wrong dead 1,000 billion percent wrong. Is that a number? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a number. Uh, go it sounds like a number. So what's what's an excuse, Jude? What's, what's an excuse that someone would give for, no, I don't want it? If Holtz didn't have numbers, uh, names on the back of the jerseys, I don't want them. Holtz always said, Cause, cause Holtz- we, we, we go as a, we go as a team, you play for the, you play for the name on the front, not the name on the back. Is there, an, is there another Notre Dame uh, national championship winning coach that only had one national championship, just like Lou Holtz? Uh, that, that may have had no. Yeah, there we go. I think there was names on the back of the jerseys then, right? I'm pretty sure there was even a movie that had names on the back of the jerseys. Look, no, uh, nothing happened of relevance to Notre Dame before 1986, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> there, there was no tradition until Lou got there, apparently. Uh, is is there is there another reason that you could give that to to not have names in the back of the jerseys? Yeah, I can give one. Um, I just want if if they're gonna do it, I don't want the font that they use for the name to be shitty and small. But I, don't, I, which is which is an Under Armour thing. But which is I an Under Armour. That also falls. That also falls in line right? with the uh, if you don't like the look of it. Like right. that, so that's, I, that's I, it. I, that's it. That's the only thing. For yeah. Me. To, to be honest with you, that's my only objection because Under Armour look the the names sometimes they look un, unnaturally small and it's just like I don't I don't know what we're trying to do here. Right. I don't like the font choice that they use either. Um. I don't like the fact that like, yeah, depending on the player, they change the 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 size of the letters and stuff. It doesn't have like uniformity between any of it. Um. I just I, I want some consistency. I want better font, and I want um, 
I, I personally want names on the back of the jerseys. I think it would help the in-stadium experience for a lot of fans, um, especially sort of like a Jumbotron does. Um, I know all the numbers because I'm, I'm, you know, we're in the show. Yeah, we're all stupid like that. <laughs> yeah. But if you're in the stadium and you're with people, how annoying is it to sit next to somebody in the stadium who keeps calling the guy by their number and doesn't know who, who is, or, you know, references those same I mean, Sometimes there's two numbers out there. I mean, <laughs> ask, yeah. ask Pitt 2012. Ask Pitt. Um, I think that that helps just sort of the layman fan, um, and I'm up for that. And it helps people. It helps player recognition. Um, it helps for NIL. It helps for all kinds of stuff like that. I, I think it's it's nothing. If anything else, it's good for the players to have their name on the back. You know, right. you know, the other thing, too, is you can't buy a Notre Dame jersey. Well, you couldn't. I don't know. Maybe in the NIL year you can now. But you couldn't buy a Notre Dame jersey that was not the numbers that they put out. It used to be like three and ten. Right. And then like. Sometimes they would have a a number for the year, like a five or something. Yeah, they but, always had one for the year, and then so if you uh, wanted you wanted your kid's jersey, you had to buy a customized jersey, and you had to put a name on the back of it. So I think it will, you know, it'll make the you know the parents who got the jerseys with the names on the back now they uh, they're actually got jerseys that actually look like the product on the field, which I think a lot of people want anyways. You know, the the first year I dated my wife. For Christmas, she got me a a, a a custom print from the book from the bookstore that had uh, like jerseys like jerseys in a locker room, and she put my she put the last name on the jersey, and her utter shock and horror when she found out that the names don't go on the back of the jerseys was uh <laughs> was actually quite comical. Uh, she thought she really fucked that one up, but it doesn't matter. But <laughs> I want to move on, but I have to say this. The absolute worst fucking reason anyone can give when they say, no, keep them off. There's no, this is a team. There's no I in T-A-M. You ancient fucks. There is no goddamn correlation between a player having his last name on the back of his jersey to him being a part of a team. Like, what are we doing? How asinine the, is that? The only reason you well, say it, that is because some coach, when you were a kid, didn't want to pony up. Or your school system well, didn't want to pony up, and they gave that reason. It is a bullshit was, reason. It should that, not exist. That's what, Lou Holtz used to, that's what Lou Holtz used to say all the time, though. And that's the thing. is So many people treat what Lou said as gospel, and I'm just – I'm sorry. It's just, it's just not. It's such bullshit, and it's it has not, no correlation. And again, it's not reflective of the current climate, which is more player-friendly in terms of getting their name out there. And what better way to get their name out there than literally letting them wear their name on the back of the what do you think is, What do you think is the biggest team in the country? Alabama. The biggest, no, the biggest team in the country. Oh. How about um, the United States military? Do yeah, they, they have. Do they have names on, on their military uniforms? Not they on sure the back. They, they even have not God on the back. Josh. Not on well, the back, Josh. What about their geez. what about their academies, sports teams? Do they have names on the back of their jerseys? No, yeah, they have like pride. And, no, yeah, that's they, a they have, game, right? Yeah, for certain games, for certain yeah. games. Yeah, it's just it's such bullshit. The greatest team in the land, 
like as what you had already said, Alabama. Yeah, Will Anderson's got his name on the back of the jersey. I don't think it, it hurts his ability to play within the team. <laughs> Do you think he's playing for his team? Yes. It, yeah. it, it absolutely has no bearing. Like I said, some this came about from old coaches from another time making shit up. Just making shit up that sounded good. It has no bearing whatsoever. No team has ever won or lost a game because of a name on the back of their jersey that and, I can recall. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure Notre Dame has a basketball team and (laughs) they have their names and a hockey team and a hockey team and a baseball team and And they have a basketball team. So why is football the only one where it's like, nah, you can't have it. The only thing because, well, you know, the reason you know, the reason there though, right? Say his name again. No, just nobody gives a shit about those other teams. That's the that's the real that's the yeah, real thing, right? Probably right. <sighs> it's just again, if you don't like the way it looks, I'm cool with that, man. And honestly, I don't care really. I don't I don't, I don't really have much of a dog in this fight. I could go either way. I know all the players by their numbers. I can even tell when a the player when there's double digits of, out there. Guys sharing numbers, I can tell which one is one, which usually I don't care. I've always kind of like had a nose in the air. I know the guy's number kind of attitude anyways. Re- but they want to put it on there. If it's a good thing for NIL, if they want to do it, I don't care. But don't give me a bullshit reason <laughs> like team because it is the most not. I will not accept bullshit. I will not. This is just say I don't. Down. It's been free zone. Just be honest. I mean, fucking really think about it for a second. Ugh. I don't know why I had to take 15 minutes for that, but I felt like I had to get that. I had to get that out of there. It wasn't even my article. Like I said, if you think it's a, ah, oh, can't, can't deal. I can't deal with things this week. Based little, I mean, twisted. All right. Uh, speaking of twisted. Fellas, did you did you see the home field drop uh, to start Big New Saturday? I the did. Hog. I also My saw favorite. a very exciting announcement. Sparky is coming, right? Don't yeah, tell. Sat, don't tell Herm Edwards. <laughs> I sat down last night because we keep saying like, oh, there's you know 14, 14 weeks. They said you could count it, and I never did sit down before. And really like think about it. And the first ones I came up with were Arizona, Arizona state. And I'm like, Oh man, just drop that Arizona state thing as quick as possible. And that's what it's going to be this week. And I did it. I fucking, I ponied up. I signed up for another season. So I thought, I thought my, uh, does uh, Kiki know about this? No, dude. Quiet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. You're going to (laughs) die. <laughs> I'll hide the package tomorrow. Um, so yeah, which I so on two, I should be getting my shirt tomorrow. I'm hoping. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited about the Arizona State coming up. So I think the way I figured it out, or when what I remember writing down last night, like both Oregon's need in there, which is Beavers and Ducks. That automatically should be great T-shirts. Um, oh, Arizona State was one. Arizona Wildcats was another. Uh, Oh God! What was it? Wake Forest is in there. I don't think Clemson. Kansas has State. A, Clemson I, doesn't have anything. I don't know if I'm gonna pass on. 
Yeah, Clemson is is a uh, is a school that still needs it. Um, Stanford. Stanford. The Kansas State one is is one I think I might burn an effigy. Like if we do, we won't. Like we could do a uh, a a ten year <laughs> memorial this 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 November. Yeah, we can uh, we can put it in an urn, a spirit urn. Oh wow! <laughs> I do like I do like that Homefield was able to Michael Corleone Godfather three you though, because just yeah. when you thought you were out, you, you got pulled way back in. I know, and it's just like Godfather three too because it's not just normal New York. You got pulled into the fucking old world. You got to deal with crazy countryside mafia too you know what i mean yeah that's tricky that's tricky you don't know what you know where the fuck they're coming at kansas state this year sofia coppola <laughs> got it <laughs> what the worst actress alive <laughs> but also uh, one of the best directors yeah 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 i mean great yeah great director she's not a double th- she's not a double threat well i mean that was that was her first time as an act as an actress was it not yeah, and I think they had Winona Ryder lined up for the movie. Like Winona Ryder was set to go, and she got which really is sick. which is awful, which is bad. As bad as 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 Coppola's acting was, she's still more believable as an Italian uh, mafia princess than fucking Winona Ryder. Trust me on this. Trust me. Like that, 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 that would not have, that would not have gone over well. I mean, I don't know. The cousin fucking is, is enough, but. Keep it in the family. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you take the mafia, you, you move it to Hazard, Kentucky, you know? Nobody ever let, nobody, never let anyone outside the family know what you're thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so home field. Hey, look, and if you don't want to sign up for the big news Saturday, I get it. Uh, it's a commitment, although I think it's a fun commitment. And as my t-shirt collection will now grow to over 50, I imagine from them, by the time this thing's all said and done, uh, it, it can be a little much, but maybe you just want to, uh, you just want to get yourself into the, the sweet, sweet Notre Dame gear, uh, that they have. Put that order in. Use the code one foot. Save yourself fifteen percent off that first order. Uh, but I, man, get in with the fun. Get in with some fun. That's all I got. Look, your crypto purchase is going to let you down. The home field is forever. <laughs> that actually would make a great T-shirt, Jude. <laughs> But you you might want to pass that might want to pass that along to Whitney over at home. Like we 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 got your next we got your next uh, message uh, shirt. <laughs> Crypto will let you down. Homefield never will. I say this uh, as a person who's hopelessly underwater on Dogecoin. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, uh, well. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Enjoy your happy price, Priceline. Tonight's main topic. It's coming back, y'all. It's villains. Where are we at now? Villains part four. Part four. Part four. There will be a part five. Trust me. <laughs> a new cope. Because <laughs> the, the list just keeps that just keeps adding. But we are on villains part four. It's episode uh, four. A new cope, Josh. A new a new cope. A new cope. Okay. Because we got some things to cope with. Uh, with some yeah, because else. you know what? Episode, you know, villains three was a whole different landscape than what we're dealing with now. Like in a whole different landscape. Oh, there's some there's some new villains for so sure. So without without like can can we delay can we it recap previ- previous villains? Oh my god, can we? Yeah, because I, I, I Brendan mean, kept a spreadsheet. Did you not? Uh, I have no idea where the, the villains. <laughs> yeah, spreadsheet. okay. If I got Listen, a Google Doc, I might okay, have it. There's there. a Google Doc called Previous Villains. Look it up. I don't know if the, all of them are on here, but there's a there's a fair amount. Because there was one episode we went in a lightning round. There we just <laughs> this is this is the lightning round year, yeah. Last edit February 18, twenty twenty. So, uh, so it did not have part three. Yeah, but I can say without without a doubt, there is the the Palpatine of villains that ha- that emerged since episode <laughs> three. Oh yeah, yeah. Am yeah. I right? Oh yeah. Without without question. And yeah, but not but not the episode nine. Somehow Palpatine's back. I mean, that'll be part six when somehow uh, is that is that no 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 that, that's when he takes over in Ann Arbor. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so lay it out, Brendan. Villains. Who who is the top dog villain right now? Well, I mean, there's it's unquestionably. Um, it's unquestionably the rat Brian Kelly. <laughs> How did there's, we get here? There's there's no other conscionable choice to be the the top villain than Brian Kelly. This is a this is a guy that coached your team for over a decade, and then during a playoff run, right? That's 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 the biggest part of what makes him a villain. It's not like he jetted after the season. There was if if Alabama just if Georgia did to Alabama what they did less than a month later, Notre Dame is potentially in the playoff. And then there's discussion, should Notre Dame be in the playoff because their coach left? He left when there was a better than average shot that Notre Dame could have went to the playoff. Iowa. If Iowa had any kind of less Iowa. Well, yeah. But, but I mean, with Oklahoma State doing the dang thing. Um, all it would have taken was for Georgia, the undefeated Georgia Bulldogs, to have beaten an Alabama team that, uh, you know, needed Tink Bigsby to not go out of or to stay in bounds. And suddenly or Tinks Bigsby would have stayed in bounds. I mean, it, it, it was right there for them to go to the playoffs. And Brian Kelly bolted on them in like the sleaziest possible way. You know, email to the players, wouldn't look up at his players during the meeting, made the meeting. Makes him show up to a 7 a.m. fucking meeting. Just absolute villainy in how he left. And I don't care at this point. It's like and, and I have another villain like this, too, where it's like, I do not care what you did for me prior, because it doesn't matter if you were the greatest person in the whole world. As soon as you do something deplorable, that's who you are. 
So let's just get that out of the way. Brian Kelly brought Notre Dame a lot of success, but all of that is wiped completely clean as soon as you pull a stunt like this. Right? And, I mean, keep it real too. He he brought Notre Dame a ton of success, completely turned around the program, but yet it still isn't too. It still wasn't. There still wasn't a title on the table. Right, Kansas State, all you want, I will, but it still wasn't on that level of success, which is what you expect. Many people wanted him gone anyways, but the entire way and how this unfolded at the end of the season, like you said, while you're in the fucking hardcore mix for a playoff, your third and four, four years. And then the reasoning I can win a national title here. Like what? Oh, and he took shots at Notre Dame. I mean, as recently as last month, as recently yeah. as last month with that weird, weird interview he did with, uh, was it Pete? Th- well, he did like a tour. He did Pete the Mal and he did a, uh, he did a couple of people, I think. Um, but yeah, he's, he's still taking, uh, you know, sort of cross the bow shots, especially how tough it is to recruit at Notre Dame, which uh, Marcus is proving just how tough it can be uh, if you apply yourself. Right. It's difficult. <laughs> Lazy rat, son of a bitch. You might have to get on the phone every once in a while. You yeah. might have to be on campus when a top recruit shows up. Like they might have to, you might have to talk to them. That's tough. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's it might be too tough to do. So yeah, that's a, uh, that's, that's um, villain numero uno. That is uh, uh, no quibbles, right? I don't I mean, this is, you know, I was in the, in the, uh, in, in, in the category of, uh, fuck it. I don't really want to talk about it. You know, a few months ago, like whatever, fuck him. He's gone. We're moving on. I'm not going to like eat up everything that is said and done down in LSU or with Kelly. And yet here I am uh, creeping towards June. And, but yes, he is the number one villain for all the reasons you stated. Plus like a billion others. And some that, you know, some we kind of just let slide while he was here. You know, now it's like, you know what? I don't have to let that slide. You know, I don't have to push that down with, you know, my, my feelings, <laughs> I can, I can, uh, I can call it out. It's, he is trash. He is fucking garbage right now to me. And, you'll and the take, way that he, you'll take enjoyment from him losing games too, which is the mark of a villain. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it is, it, the way that he has continued, because I'm, you know, here's me thinking Notre Dame fans need just need to get over it a little bit and, you know, move on, blah, blah, blah. And yet, like you like you mentioned, the the little press run he did, you know, for a, a week and a half, two weeks, where Notre Dame kept getting brought up from his own mouth and taking shots at him. It's like, what the fuck, dude? Like, that is, that is villainous. Cause you're, you know, you're trying to set fire, you know, to my house and, you know, we don't mess around with that. I mean, it's just all the things that people, you know, think about when Brian Kelly was head coach, all the, all the thing all the shit that was talked about him 
by opposing fans, media, and all that. And some of it you knew was true, and you just kind of brushed it off. Some of it you knew was true, and you were right there with them because you didn't really care for them much either. But now it's just like it is magnified. Like this is a cocksucker in every sense of the word. Yeah. Uh, so that's fun, right? <laughs> like, like we, there's a there's a connection. Like LSU and Notre Dame have some history together. Uh, and <laughs> it's just none of it makes it like I can go to LSU and win a national championship. Like you absolutely did not believe you could do it. And yet somehow you're getting put on a pedestal because you couldn't do the job that could be that should have been done. You weren't good enough to do it. The, the, and it was like somehow that's a virtue that you need more help. I, 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 I don't get it. Jude. What, what thoughts on, on I just, I, number I, one here? I, yeah, I think the the thing that's like made me roll my eyes the most is just the the straight steal of everything too, which is like the graduating champions thing, and you know I, I blame I blame it for everything basically Garth Brooks, I blame it for <laughs> Garth Brooks, but just you know just it, it's just come up with some new like there's things to sell about. LSU that you don't need to like just straight steal from, from Notre Dame. You can just leave stuff at Notre Dame. It's really quite okay. So yeah, there's great things at LSU. That's the thing. I don't what? have, Everyone. I don't have a hatred of LSU is, is the funny thing. Like I, <laughs> like I, I've always had a, a respect of LSU mainly because I think their fans are dope, you know, and they can eat good. And it, so if you're a fan base that, that knows how to party, I like you. You know, in, in a lot of ways. And now I, this doesn't sound right, but I almost feel bad for LSU fans because I know the position they're in now. They have to defend his dumb shit, like the act, like the family, uh, like the grinding on the recruits, like <laughs> all the shit that we don't have to, like, oh, uh, I don't have to apologize. I don't have to explain that away anymore. Right. Joy unto me. Yep. And I think, to be honest with you, Bill and Jason is our guys like Brian Pullian that followed him to, to LSU. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Dembrock. You put Dembrock <laughs> in, in that category? Dembrock. I mean, Dembrock was on the, on the, on the other sidelines uh, against Cincinnati this yeah. year. Is Mike I Dembrock? I, like, I just don't know registered? that I can. Like, I just, Dembrock is so insignificant to me. I'm not sure I can put him. I, I think Bill and no, no, too much well, credit. Jude. I think maybe you should reconsider that. Okay. Go for it. You know, uh, let me, let me explain. Mike Denbrock, what's he kind of well known for at Notre Dame? Um, The 2016 season. (laughs) Well, and he served two tours, correct? Yeah. Two tours. Yep. Who was his first tour duty with? Uh, Charles Chuck Weiss. No. Tyrone Willingham. 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 Yeah. He is a nothing but a fucking disaster bringer. <laughs> it's just like it, you're a herald of the apocalypse. Yes. Yes. Like that's villainous enough. And, and the fact that he gets to sit on the, in the back burner and not be poked at with a fucking stick, uh, as a villain should makes him even more of a villain. Mike Denbrock is a real villain. I, I wanted to hold on to this one a little bit longer. Um, but I, I think it's pertinent to bring it up now. 
I was going to put Alston in the mix for a villain. Um, wow. Because he went to Michigan. But that's his alma mater, dude. It doesn't matter. I, I understand it's his alma mater. I don't care. I don't care about that stuff. I don't care about if you're making more money somewhere else. I don't care if it's if it's your alma mater. Like, I think it being you. wronged is wronged. And going to Michigan is... But they didn't have a job for him here. It's not like he chose to go to Michigan. It's like he had no other choice. Right. But yeah, but you can still hate a guy. You still okay. can. <laughs> and not only that, because it's not only the fact that he went to Michigan that makes him a villain, in my opinion, but he also specifically and exclusively ruined Marcus Freeman's coming out party with his defensive coordinator debacle in the Fiesta Bowl. Mm. That was mm, that good point. Okay. One okay. of the worst, one of the worst jobs done in that sort of spot that I can remember. I can't recall a coordinator just shitting the bed that bad um, at Notre Dame. And I, I mean, can, can you, other than like John Tenuta, <laughs> right, right. I mean, you got, you got to go back because from, from the time Notre Dame's 21, 21 points up, onward it was just it was keystone cops whether or not it's like having a linebacker cover a wide receiver in the you know two minute drill whether or not it's like refusing to to flip around um how you wanted you know maybe maybe have kim hart play um the wide receiver that can't be stopped Maybe maybe you want to do something a little bit different to slow down um, a quarterback who has some passing deficiencies and buckles a little bit under pressure uh, against other teams that they played that season. And he makes no adjustments whatsoever, and they just get smoked in that second half. That's on him. I'm with you. I mean, for all those reasons and more. Because, I mean— you don't need any other reason other than you feel like a jilted lover. Right. I love Mike Elston. He's a four one nine guy. He somehow was able to uh, turn his life around from being a Michigan Wolverine uh, to to really becoming like you know that's a Notre Dame guy. Like that's hard to do. Like to to be a Michigan alum and then be like looked at and accepted as as, as a part of a major part of the program. He was able to shake that shaky past off. Um, and then, you know, think about, think about what happened after Brian Kelly bolted the whole, I'm staying, I'm here. Elston was a big part of that. And yeah. then it was just like, I'm gone. And Jude, I get it. There wasn't a place for him because he had, he had shit of the bed so hard, but it was just like, you are going somewhere to not be a defensive coordinator still. After this whole family thing, uh, without an accent, um, you know that you that you were trying to vibe that you were pushing out at uh, at ND. It's just like, think. I mean, I guess you could say thanks for your service and move on, but in a lot of ways, it is villainous, uh, and it definitely is villainous when you look at it from Brendan's point of view, uh, which I think is is pretty dead on. Like, how? No wonder you got passed up. No wonder. Like, look at look at what just happened here. That's a good defense, and they just got shredded with a fucking huge lead. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, it's yeah, yeah. He counts. Okay, he counts for sure. You know what? What? Fuck, man. Well, might as well just say the entire old staff. <laughs> Throw Dell Alexander on on as a villain. Uh, shit look recruiting. Notre look at Notre Dame's situation. Can we I throw on current staff? If we were going, if we were going to drag, <laughs> if we were going to drag a true Notre Dame legend in Autry Denson through the mud for his terrible job at recruiting, then we need to like drag Dell through like the mud from volcano. <laughs> I mean, look at the situation we're in with with our. Our receiver room. The 99 it Woodstock is, mud. Not great. The 99 Woodstock mud that was mixed with shit. They had a lot of fun in that mud, though. They did, but the bands didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> the and I know I know our friend Greg is will back me on this 100. percent The whole three is enough in a class rule. Three is the limit in a is absolutely fucking insane. It was insane before the new transfer rules and it's yeah. absolutely insane now. And so if you had a chance to go back over the last five years and redo all that, probably could have added three or four more wideouts to the room. Yeah. And three no, is enough. Three is enough until three turns into one, which I mean, is three is point. enough. If you got three, five stars. But even then, or, like you know as we I mean, saw last year, three we they had three they had three in the tank, and how many did they end up with? One. You you gotta just recruit that position like crazy. It's it's absurd. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean, you need you need the players there for your quarterback to get it to. I mean, <laughs> five star quarterbacks are are the are the are the king shit. But they, there's they got to get it the ball to somebody. No. Fu- there's no five-star quarterback out there that's shining in college football without a couple, without a handful of fucking top-flight wide receivers. And right? Mac Jones was a three-star, and he had five-star receivers, and he was able to do just fine. Um, so yeah, but I mean, I, you know what's going on in Ohio State? There's a whole bunch of wide receivers there. Alabama has them all. Georgia, I mean, there's just. Alabama. Yeah. I mean, all all of a sudden, USC is the fourth ranked team in the country. They got wide receivers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dell. Yeah, Dell is a villain. Jude, you brought up current staff. Who is a who is a current villain? Oh, oh boy, Jude. Yeah. Who is a current villain, Jude? <coughs> Mike Mickens. <coughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Did you fart that one out? Uh, I said it in a lower voice. Well, you know, there's the COVID right, year cool. and, um, yeah. you know, Expl- okay, Jude, you said the name, explain yourself. Uh, who's your favorite Mike Mickens recruit? Who's your favorite Mike Mickens, uh, guys turned into a star that wasn't already a star when Mike Mickens inherited. Uh, who's your favorite, I guess a, a more pertinent one where we could get answers from is who's your favorite cornerback who's regressed under Mike Mickens. <laughs> Because Clarence Lewis, uh, uh, yeah, is he not a prodigy anymore? He's a prodigy. Yeah, um, yeah, about that. In a lot of ways, just like Anakin was a prodigy, uh, sometimes that uh, that goes south. 
So go ahead. As part of the. I, I mean, I think it, I think the 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 dam the the damning thing is you can't make the case for Mike Mike McInnes to be like you can't defend him. He's undefendable. Right, because you could defend, you could certainly defend Autry Denson because of the production that they got from the position, yeah, absolutely. and the fact that they didn't fucking fumble the ball for three years. ever. Yeah, right. Yeah. So does it make does it make Mike Mickens even more of a villain? Because I think it does. I think this does. Does it make him even more of a villain for the fact that he has a long personal relationship with the head coach, like long reaching yeah. way back? You know, I mean. It's a, it's it's all hard, levels. It's of harder to pull the trigger when the guy that you were eating the bowl of Cheerios with playing Nintendo is the guy, you know what I mean? Your whole life. I, I completely understand, but that's, that's part, that's part of what we ask for our head coach to do is to make that tough decision. Right. But like, I, well, sometimes you, you need to fire the, fire the, the best man at your wedding. That makes it more of a villain though, right? For you at your wedding. That makes it more of a villain though, right? Because I mean, it's not exactly nepotism because it's not family, but but nepotism makes everything worse, regardless, or even the perceived perceived nepotism makes things worse. So, or cronyism, whatever you want to, however you want to dial it in there. I mean, so, Doughboy got Ricky killed, right? <laughs> he did get Ricky killed, man. It's the same thing. <laughs> I mean, Don't he be had is he? Doughboy? He had the letter. He had the letter. He was going to SC. He he was going one block away. Is Mike Mickens <laughs> Doughboy? Is he going to get Marcus killed? What's going on here? <laughs> Is Cam Hart Ricky? Oh, boy. Poor Cam. I hope he – well, that's one guy I would say. Um, that's certain. But, you know, some of that could just be uh, the Cam Kyle Hart's a pretty smart guy. He, he, he never worried about his SATs. Yeah, and that, that could also be the and he did not. That could also be the Kyle effect too, where um, you know Kyle raised the 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 level of Cam Hart just by being friends with him, right? <laughs> I mean, look, if you're going to give him credit for Cam Hart, that's fine, but that that's still only one in his ledger. That is one, and I'm well, not sure even... how much I want to give it to him because they didn't always put Cam in the best position. That you know. Why is Josh Downs catching 150 passes? Why is Trey London catching 150 passes? Why? Well, some of that was def- was these was a overall defensive Schemes, design. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. USC is a is a perfect example where they were like, "Go ahead and throw it. We fucking dare you," and they did, and they still couldn't score. <laughs> so that, I mean, that made you know that worked out, but it didn't look good. Ooh, shoot. That's, I mean, that's, that's, that's it's fire. Spicy. Yeah, that's spicy. It's spicy. You guys are welcome on this bandwagon, whatever you'd like to join. Oh, I'm on it. I'm on it. <laughs> I'm glad you said it. I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and remain neutral. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to ride that fence. Uh, I am, um, uh, <clears throat> I had a historical reference in my head and now it's gone. Um, uh, Oh, I am. I am definitely Lord Stanley. Him and his brother, you know. I am. Uh, I am Lord Stanley. Well, I mean, they always kind of made sure one of them always won. They were, <laughs> they were on the other side of things quite a bit of times. Uh, that way, the other one could get the other one out of trouble. That's, I, I mean, that's true brotherhood right there. Uh, anyway, Josh, you have nominated a villain. Why don't you bring the heat? 
I mean, I guess I just hate so many people that it's just so <laughs> <laughs> it's so so much hate, to, so little time. I mean, in a way, I I I said the vill- villains are people that think that names in the back of your jerseys uh, are the only way to go because it's the only way to be a team. That uh, so all of you fuckers are villains uh, if that's your like your hardcore belief. Um, but I mean, can we just let's have some fun? Dave Dorn is a fucking villain. Uh, tier how one is head coach Dave Dorn? Tier one head coach Dave Dorn okay. is a villain. Number one, he is a he's a disciple of the of Narduziism, which is to blame Notre Dame at all costs, no matter what. Yeah, it's easy, easy shooting. It's I mean so I mean there isn't much more to say <laughs> <laughs> other than tier tier one head coach Dave Dorn, uh, but I mean. Honestly, I mean, I know we've already said Jimbo Fisher before, but it's like even more maximized now, yeah, right? He's on my list too. Yeah. <laughs> One billion. He's going to just I like NIL. I like the idea of NIL. He is and every like Saban's took some heat for it, but like at a baseline level, I don't disagree with Saban's stance. I think Jimbo is being an asshole about it because he can. Because, you know, the teacher's not there, so he's abusing it. Well, he's being an asshole about it because he doesn't know how else to react. Some of these coaches, Jimbo's one of them, where you have done shady shit throughout your career and have ha- had to hide it, right? For for the sake of your career and your good name. And now that certain shit that used to be illegal is legal, it's like, you don't want to, you still have it. Your, in, your instinct is to deny and deflect still. Right. And, and that's what he does. There is, and there is no question. Look, Nick Saban, God bless him. Did the, did exactly what Nick Saban should do and just call it out. Say what it is. I don't care if you agree with him or not. He, I think he thought he was being as honest and truthful as possible up there. And I love it. And the fact that it fucking got under, Fisher's skin so goddamn hard. I cannot wait to watch Alabama, who is oh. going to have a revenge factor anyways in Tuscaloosa against AM, go like 55 fucking 10 on their ass, uh, which is going to be fun. But I mean, Fisher is just so sleazy about it because he's he's in such he puts out such denial about what is going on at his own program. Like there's how, how can you how can you keep deflecting and denying that things are being done that are perfectly legal and like and throw a fit? I'm just I'm just so damn I'm you know let me tell you something about Nick Saban you know he he's a he's Satan he's Satan yeah I don't I don't like because it's the same sort of awe like false awe shucks that Dabo has but he's even less charismatic than than Dabo Sweeney. Cause I think that there is He's a certain amount of char- charisma to Dabo, but there well, is there's certainly less likability. There's absolutely nothing likable about Jimbo Fisher. He looks like, I mean, he looks like he just crawled out of a bottle, right? He, Oh, he looks like a, like a, a 1970s wino with the, the beard that he has. And 
I mean, he's, he's no, he looks like the 1970s eyes. drunk coach. Yeah, I, I was gonna it. say he, he he looks like a not blind Mr. Magoo to me. Yeah, he does, <laughs> yeah, because he's got those weaselly little eyes. And he's got the like wrinkly face. <laughs> I God, I hate him. Yeah, Jimbo Fisher is because um, he's gonna ruin just, the NIL. To be honest with you, I just I think it's bad to be a grown man and allow yourself to be called Jimbo. I just it's like Dabo. Really. It's just like nails <laughs> on a chalkboard. But Dabo is his real name, though, right? No, no, I don't think so. No, God, no. What are you talking about? It's Dabo- like William or something, right? Yeah. Get the fuck out of Dodge. Yeah, William Christopher. I thought all this time that Dabo's mom serious? called him Dab, named him Dabo. I thought that was his Christian name. I'm not lying. I never looked it up or cared to. No, apparently it was given to him by his in as an infant by his brother who would try to enunciate that boy when referring to da- when referring to Dabo Sweeney. I've ne- I never knew that. I never Dabo. ever knew that. That boy. Yeah, Ooh. and he never moved beyond uh his childhood name. Um so Isn't his brother in a shitload of trouble? Speak <laughs> the one that gave him the nickname isn't he the one that's in a shitload of trouble? I don't I know. Trip Trip Sweeney. Trip. <laughs> I don't know about Two P trip, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, brother Dabo arrested in South Carolina, based on ten years in prison. Oh, child pornography. Oh boy. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was not a. It wasn't a yeah. DUI. <laughs> you know, Trip isn't even his brother's real name. His real name is Henry. This whole family just like why are you oh, even naming your up. children? This is fucking nuts. Yeah, because he's the that's, he's the third, right? And that's why I call him Trip. Dabo, the, oh Trip the third? No, no, Henry, Henry the Henry third. They call him Trip. <laughs> this is that's not good. Dabo didn't name his kid Dabo, did he? That'd be bad. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, his. Oh wait, we know his sons. They're, they were uh, receivers on the train. Kirk Kerbstreet could never stop talking about them, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I saw someone post um, something like, "Hey, if if Dabo's such a fucking great, <laughs> great developer of talent, what the hell happened to his kid? <laughs> he had twenty yikes. years to work with them. Yikes! <laughs> it was just it's just a fun meme, <laughs> but I." Obviously a South Carolina fan. <laughs> uh, shit. Yeah. So, I mean, Jimbo Fisher kind of really takes like Jim and Hey, they're all in one division in, in college football, Jimbo and Brian, Brian Kelly definitely like are sitting on the top of top of the heat. I mean, even, you know, we brought up Dabo, but even Dabo who I know the us on this podcast while having a healthy respect for what he's done, also hate the living shit out of him for what kind of a person he is. You know, it's pretty bad when like he's getting trumped over quite a bit. Wow. Yeah, I think I think a villain for me is every single person who speaks out against NIL, who's a coach making tens of millions of dollars, and Dabo would definitely be on that list. You know, he's yeah, like, but, look, do we do we know that the system is is broken? Yes. But guess what? It's broken in a way that favors the players right now. And after years of inequality and guys making, I don't know, 95 million for doing absolutely nothing. 
I'm okay with a little inequality for six months to a year, or two years or whatever. So, but is he a bigger villain than the sports writers who have been asking for all this fucking, all this stuff, NIL and transfer and all that. And then writing articles kind of like saying this is no the death this of college football. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Leopards ate my face. <laughs> I mean, so let me bring that, let me bring that name up. Stu Mandel. I'm almost sure. I'm almost certain Stu Mandel landed on the villain list before, but I don't think he did. If he hasn't, let's put him on now. Put the fucking stamp on it. Stuart Mandel, who just remained. Who just said Notre Dame students are in the 1980s are racists. Right. Because they bring Catholics versus convicts shirt. That was factually accurate. The biggest story going into the 1988 season is the fact that the defending national champion had several players who were arrested and convicted of a crime. Convicts. Like, <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Because they, they're college students. And, and they would have never brought that up if they were white. <laughs> never, right. ever. It's just – I mean, Stuart Mann – Mandel, and that look, that was just brought up this week. Yeah, this isn't something from like fifteen years, twenty years ago, thirty years ago. It was this week, he remains probably the most smug, self righteous motherfucker out there, right? Like it's just like it is consistent with, and I mean, I generally I won't say I like Mandel, but I mean, follow his stuff, read his stuff, listen to the podcast, but it is just like the amount of wrong that they have going on. They are so wrong about things all, all so many times. They never go back and correct themselves. It just yeah, moves a, on to the next lack thing of that they think they're right about. Yeah. A lack of self-awareness is what gets me. So, okay. So that, that's what I want to, that's what I want to say. There's, there is a difference there, right? I don't think that they should go back and correct themselves. But I think that there should be self-awareness. Like when Pete, when Pete uh, Sampson makes fun of himself for this Iowa State pick, I think that's exactly how you should play those kind of things. You, when you're wrong, you're wrong. And be able to laugh at yourself because you're never going to get it all right. But at the same no, time, like, Stu acts like, um, you know, the, the one thing I think I've ever heard him say that was like where he was like a big mea culpa was leaving Brian Kelly off his top 25 coaches list um, after the two – must have been 2016 or 17 season. And it was just like, he's just like, yeah, I don't know what I was thinking there. Cause he put him on like, he put him as like number six the next year. So, right. Right. But usually no, we, a, don't get, we don't get that level of uh, reflectiveness from, from, uh, from Stu at all. It's just sort of like on to the next bad take. Here we go. And then just, right. I mean, it, it, it is bad. sports and no one is, no one has a shortage of bad takes. No, of course not. We Me, Stuart Mandel, Pete Sampson, play every, every, we all have them. Every single yeah. one of us, Spencer Hall. I mean, everybody has bad takes, but it is that ability to go, <laughs> well, fuck, I was wrong about that one. Like but I, that I just, needs to be in the, that needs to be in the repertoire because like when Brian, when Brendan called him out last week, he decided to cherry pick one word in a Wikipedia entry and say, yeah, flamboyant equals convicts. Got it. And it's like, you're just being disingenuous to the max. Like, do you just, do you not understand what the word convict means? Right. Well, he's arguing, he, he believes that he is arguing with an inferior first grader. 
where he is able to right. take it, it, it is it it really is like the uh, uh the the mindset of of a of a debate team person, right? Like it doesn't really matter. You just gotta you gotta find the argument and win that win that argument or win that point and you win the argument, right? And that's what people like Mandel do. You just find the point that you can win and knock that in and and then say that wins the argument. And it doesn't. I mean, it fucking doesn't. But you think that people are dumb enough to take to take that as like, well, I guess that is a win. I mean, he he said the world was gonna end today. Well, then he said, because the sky was blue, it wasn't going to. Oh, my God, he is right. And I'm at a, at a bare minimum, he also committed libel. Right. It I wasn't mean, the first time that Notre Dame has been called racist for for that shirt. But the, the 30, but the, it, the 30 for 30, the 30 for 30 um, thing on ESPN, that was a not and not just not the one about the shirt, but um, the you. When that game was brought up, I mean, Kozar, the, the lot of them were just laying it on thick. Like, that's the most, you know, that's the most uncatholic bad place in America is Notre Dame. And I'm Catholic. I should know. Bernie Kozar. Yeah. <laughs> the the, he's the trying bastion to fucking, of a good decision making. As he's trying to dribble out the fucking words out of the side of his fucking mouth. So. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I gotta yeah. be honest with you. Like as, as Stu would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I'm still. I I, yeah, I don't know, Bruce. I, I still I listen to pop punk like I, twenty I think, hours out of the day. I think, uh, you know, Stu is probably the, the gift that he's just the gift that keeps on giving. Every week he puts out something that during, especially during the season, um, where he's completely overreacted to some game. And now he's put somebody in his top 10 who doesn't belong there. And then he acts like the next week. And then his constant re- refusal to acknowledge that Notre Dame was any good in 2020 was hilarious to the max, where he kept picking well, against them every single game. 20, 2020 was a banner year for him because it really was that year where he doubled down on this whole, I'm never going to apologize for anything. When, he just kept hammering home stuff about COVID, right? right. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Like there, there, there came up, there came a point when I think that everybody, people that were aware, self-aware, knew that half the th- things you were saying about COVID were probably wrong. Whether no matter what your, no matter how you felt about the whole situation, everybody was fucking wrong, twice over. Nobody was right, completely right. <laughs> Absolutely. But then, but then you get, but even more so is like someone like Stu was got self-righteous about it every single time, but yet is cashing a check while they're, you know, while it's all going on, if everything stopped, he stops, right? No, he unfortunately kills us with what could have been. He would have written articles like about Coastal Carolina's amazing season. And, <laughs> you know, like it would have been, it would have I mean, been way worse. No, but I, just I, like, I, I 100% get what you say because Nate Silver fell into this trap too, which is like Nate Silver just didn't know when to stop talking about COVID. And he's just lost so much of his brand because people were just like, you know, stick to the roads that you're used to, you know, don't go chasing waterfalls. Yeah. I mean, and look, I'm a guy, I, 
I take, I took COVID seriously. I still do. I mean, I just, but there just, there came a point where within the athletics realm, you had to, I want to say trust uh, the schools or, or the leagues or like that. But at some point it just, it was what it was. Right. And you're all you're doing is preaching to the choir your point and it's, it's falling on deaf ear. You're, you're not winning in any arguments. Right. You're just going out there and being self-righteous as fuck. Now, is that a smart thing to do? Is that, you know, your business plan is your business plan. But if, if you're one of the heads of a, of a fucking publication that consistently loses fucking money every year, like 40 <laughs> to $50 million every year for like three, four years fucking straight, Maybe I would do things a little differently before you're, you know, out looking for a new fucking job. Yeah, before you go show up on Twitter every day and get corn copped, right? Like the well, drill tweets. It's, I'm not it's owned, like I'm a, not it's owned. like it's like yeah, it's like a uh, principal Skinner. Am, am I out of touch? <laughs> no, it must be the children, <laughs> right? I mean, that's 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 how I look at Steve Mandel every single day. Am I out of touch? No, it must be the people that jump into my comments. It, well, and never mind the fact that I will never forget that the 2020 season, his his COVID hot takes where he was actively seemingly rooting against the season happening. Mm. But uh, he picked Notre Dame to finish third in the ACC because it's too much of a story. No analysis because he didn't take yeah. the time to look at any roster. Too much of a storybook. Uh, too much of a storybook finish for them to win the the you know to finish in the the top of the conference, which they did win the regular season of the ACC. I think he, they were supposed to fa- uh, they were supposed to be behind Pitt, if I recall Pitt. correctly. Right? Yeah, Pitt. Yes, who I, yes, definitely Pitt. <laughs> definitely Pitt. <laughs> Us Notre Dame fans, we do not remember our we do not forget our sick burns. Oh gosh. Uh, yeah, and I don't forget that uh, that 2020 uh, showdown in Pittsburgh and the how to go deep dancing of uh, of Narduzzi and company. How Ooh. many touchdowns did uh, Jordan? How did uh, how did Addison go in that game? He did pretty well, right? Sure, he's playing Division One. He had a scholarship at the time. <laughs> yeah, because I'm pretty sure Jordan Addison played in that 2020 game against Notre Dame. How did he do? You have to find the stats of that. I don't think anybody from Pitt did anything. No, he he absolutely did not do anything in the, in that in that football game. Uh, I can tell you exactly what he did in the game. He went for uh, are you I ready for this? Question. Three for forty yards. Three catches Ooh. for forty yards. Now that was his freshman year, though, right? Uh, yeah. But he was, but he was a freshman All American that season too, though. He was, yeah. Well, maybe not because he had only six hundred. No, I'm, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure he was. It's an evil number. Six hundred sixty-six yards receiving. I mean, that's freshman all-American like in a COVID year. Yeah, that's true. I forgot the the COVID aspect. Sixty catches. Yeah. I mean, all bets were off that year with whatever. So, uh, all right, let's find us another villain. Pull one out of the hat. I got one. Um, this one's a little spicy. Uh, you want a villain? And it's going to be uh, pretty important for this upcoming season, uh, specifically in the first week in November. Here's a fucking villain. Notre Dame ticket holders. Because <laughs> Josh and I were there for the Cincinnati game, boys. Um, and I remember the Georgia game. Stop I was there for that one, too. Your fucking 
tickets. I don't care if it buys your family a trip to Disneyland. Stop doing it. You are fucking everyone else over for your own gain. Stop Brennan, it. Stop Brennan, being I, goddamn I weasels. You're picking Stop. the wrong year. You're picking the wrong year. You can't make this speech until next year. Clemson is not a red, Clemson is not a red team like Nebraska, Ohio State, like Georgia. Well, I like Cincinnati. Out, I want to get out in front of and this. Clemson does not travel like that. But maybe they do because this is this is their chance to to get up to Notre Dame Stadium because they couldn't in 2020, right? Stop selling your fucking tickets to opposing fan bases. If you don't if you are a fan of the team and you want the team to win football games, stop selling your tickets to the opposing fan base and creating an environment that's inducive to them having an advantage. Because I was there listening to Cincinnati fans cheering and having let's go Cincinnati, let's go Bearcats. I so had they were to, singing songs after the game. They were singing songs after the game. Like that, like, well, remember, remember the it was the uh, music came on the jumbotron, and the fucking Cincinnati fans started partying to the music coming out of the jumbotron. Game's over. It was like, it's like shut that fucking thing off. Yeah, they needed You're to just, shut it down. And like, I, I I could understand the Georgia one because you were coming off a 2016 season four and eight. I can understand that, but I, I can't. The forgive Braves played the Cubs the night before. I can't forgive the Cincinnati game. And if you sell your tickets to Clemson fans, fuck you. You're persona non grata. You're a traitorous rat weasel. Stop doing this. I don't care if you no. make a few extra schmeckles on it. Stop it. No, I'm not defend. I'm not going to defend anybody on this, Brendan. But I, I do want to point. I do want to continue to point out, though. Opposing fans have every right. The same has equal rights to Notre Dame fans. When it comes to purchasing tickets online, like when Notre Dame's tickets are on sale and everyone's mad scrambled to go online and buy tickets, it isn't just Notre Dame fans buying those tickets. The opposing fans are too. Cincinnati came in like a wrecking ball. It wasn't just season ticket holder sells to that. These were since a lot of Cincinnati people were people that just bought the tickets straight up online. So straight up. Step up. This doesn't happen at at, at Ohio State. This doesn't happen. Well, at, you would you wouldn't notice it because of the red, right? <laughs> but this doesn't happen in other uh, in uh, in other major programs, right? Where they have these like fair weather waffling fans that 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 don't step up for big games and keep their tickets. What is it? What is it about it? I mean, it happens. It happens in L.A. every other year, except Notre right, Dame fans I, in the costume. I don't want to. I don't want to be associated with that. I mean, I'm with you, but you're it's not going to get this behavior. To, it to is be this behavior. A turncoat. To be a turncoat. Brennan, you know what this is? This is this is the war on drugs. I'm sorry. It's just it is just a war that has is nothing but casualties. Because it's never going to end. You're, you're never Notre, – Notre Dame is such a destination spot for programs that – like Michigan doesn't invade our, our stadium despite the fact of the Michiana – because they've been there, done that. Georgia, Nebraska, Cincinnati, Ohio State, 
These are invasion type schools because of the destination where they're going. This like it is a this is what we got to do kind of a thing. So it, until we get knocked that all out of the system, it's it's going to be there. So like Auburn, if we play Auburn, do a home and home in Auburn, I guarantee I guarantee fucking I guarantee you 30% of that stadium, if not more, is going to be Auburn fans. Don't want to get them. Guarantee you. Brendan, you're familiar with the story of uh, Lord Beaver Brook and the famous actress, right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, everybody's got a price, and I, I guess, I'm guessing you do too, right? Don't you think your wife would start screaming at you if you were offered 10 grand for your tickets? Yeah, ten grand. But I mean, how many whoa, people whoa, are offering? Whoa, whoa, hold up, whoa, hold up, uh, hold up. We're not talking about ten grand. We're talking about ten grand here. Cincinnati uh, game I'm, aside, wait, wait the second, Georgia game, the Georgia back. game was was all about Joshua, was exactly Joshua, that. Hold on a second. How, what? How? How much money do you think it t- costs to take your kids to Disneyland? What Family is the at, No, 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 no. Hold up. You can't straw man me with a ten grand price tag. What was the average resale value? on a ticket to that game because it's not 10 grand. If we're talking no, about putting an extra hundred bucks in your ticket, you for said, being, you started, no, 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 not extra hundred. Your, you, you said putting your team to, you putting your family in Disney world, you didn't, you didn't find it acceptable. I'm no. starting with your own example. The Disney yeah. world example. What's it? So I have, I have tickets in the, um, let's say, you know, upper bowl. Okay. Are you, are you telling me that, that somebody's offering me 10 grand? For that ticket. For those four and how, yes. how many people? So for those that traveled all the way, listen, Cincinnati game aside, the 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 example that we're using right now that, that we're talking about, like this kind of deal, this was the Georgia game. The stacks of cash that were there for fans that fork over their tickets were like the entire Georgia State Treasury came with them. They were willing to drop coin. They are already there. They came up from Georgia. No. They had fucking just no. rolls of dough. The average the average price of the, the ticket on the resale market was six hundred and nine dollars. That's online. That's not that's not up, up in person. There is there is plenty of people, plenty of accounts that you're talking about two thousand dollars or more. I, yeah, time. I wrote I wrote a story right before the Georgia game that said the cheapest t- ticket on SeatGeek was five hundred fifty. $554, which was there nearly six times the face value of that upper two yep. seat. The most expensive ticket was $2,498. Turncoat traders. But listen, you're telling me, you're telling also, me if you, if you, you are just holding a good ticket. ticket. If, somebody, if somebody asked you, if somebody was offering you're to pay hold- you eight times face value of your ticket, you wouldn't take it? No, I'm not taking it. Because okay. and let, I'm taking it. And let's it. be honest, you are just holding on to one ticket, Brendan. You probably have six to eight. Like, right? Like, you probably, like, you're talking about people who probably have multiple tickets here, not just one. So, you're, so let's, say, let's just say you have five tickets and someone's willing to pay you eight times face value for each ticket times five. No, fuck that. That is a that is a trip to Disney World. Fuck that because I – well, fuck, fuck Disney World because I'm not – fuck that. Secondly – I don't just – because I, I have I have morals and I have um, – <laughs> I'm a good person too, damn it. Well, obviously not if you're willing to turn on on the thing that you love. I'm just saying I understand the economics of it. You love your family. Would yeah. You, Brennan, do you love your family more than and their happiness more than you do Notre Dame? 
with me, it's like kind of intertwined. In a weird yeah, well, it's but, the same thing with it's the same thing here. It's like, but you, I'm I'm not doing. But that. you're like, I don't find. Listen, I know everyone wants to lay these people out. I'm laying. Them I out. understand. Fuck I them. wish it wouldn't happen. I wish Notre Dame fans were more passionate about being there than they are about money. But I can't find fault in them with money. You have one like the top business school in the country. I get it. Like business is business. So as long as you keep forgiving them for this deplorable behavior, <laughs> it's going to continue to happen. As long as you keep we making excuses for it. There's not excuses. It's just there there are reasons to this. Yeah, sure. And again, if this was right. So stop scheduling red teams that reside to the south of you or to the west. We will have this problem. Like, do you think what like do you think they were afraid that Wisconsin was going to invade Notre Dame? No, of course not. I do. Hey, Brendan, mm-hmm. do, do you mind if I ask you the four scenarios that I asked back in 2017 and see what you say? Are you going to Ooh, drop? Are you going to drop indecent proposal uh, uh, examples to me? Because I'm going to tell you right now that the answer would be no for indecent okay. proposal. So oh, I you, would. I'd absolutely let somebody sleep with my wife for a million dollars. Last question. You 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 purchase a ninety five dollar upper tier ticket, but your buddy bailed on you, so it's an extra. A Georgia, a, a Georgia or now Ohio State fan stands in front of you offering ninety five dollars. A Notre Dame fan is also there, but only has fifty dollars. Who do you sell to? Notre Dame fan. Okay. Unquestionably. So 82, 81% said sell the Notre Dame fan for $50. I agree with that. I agree with that. Yes. That's, Scenario that's two, you purchase a $95 upper ticket to your ticket, which is now an extra. A Georgia fan is offering you $190 for it, or you can give it to a broke Notre Dame fan for free. What do you do? Broke Notre Dame fan. Fuck okay. the Georgia 50, fan. 51% said give it to the Notre Dame fan for free. So that was, so, you know, half the people said I'd like to make double the money. And half because, of people said, I'd like the good karma, right? So yeah. scenario number three, you have a $300 preferred ticket, which is now an extra. Georgia fan is offering you $1,500 for it. A Notre Dame fan is offering you $300. Who do you sell it to? So it's a Notre Dame fan. Okay. Because you are now in the minority. Break it 65, even. 65% yeah. said that they would sell the extra to the Georgia fan for $1,500. But, but in that scenario, though, Brett, I can see Brennan saying saying that because you were break, you were still breaking even. And yeah, not betraying even. your school. I'm not betraying yeah. my school. I'm not selling but, my soul. Dude, you're saying 61% took the 1500 Six, 65% took the 1500 Scenario number four, you have a $300 preferred ticket, which is now an extra. A Georgia fan is offering you $3,000, which would be 10 times face price. A Notre Dame fan will give you $400. Who do you sell it to? Notre Dame fan, because I'm pocketing 100 bucks, and then I can sleep easier at night knowing that I didn't contribute to some low-life fuck. All right. So 79% said that they would sell the extra for 10 times the price of the Georgia fan. Yeah, I'm I not. Like the, uh, and that, and Brendan, regardless, Jude's numbers right there. The numbers don't lie. No, there's a lot of villains. That's all I'm that's, saying. 1,100 people voted in this poll. Yeah, 1,100 people voted in this poll. There's a lot of villains out there. And the fact of the matter is, <laughs> is next to my family, the thing that I love the most is Notre Dame football. And I'm not going, the only thing that you can do to actively contribute to the outcome of a football game is to not put the opposing fan base <laughs> in an advantage by selling your goddamn ticket to you, one of you their can't make it can't make it nippered north. I'm not know? I'm not going to be able to have any influence on play calls or um, you know 
players' performances in the game, but what I can do is I can be loud and cheer for my team and ignore the, um, you know, the ushers that want me to sit down. And I sure as hell can influence the fact that I'm not going to let somebody who's going to come and cheer for an opposing fan base come in in there. I'm not going to be the guy from They Live, right? We all sell that every day. May as well be on the winning team. Yeah, taste of the good life. Brennan, do you think that there's value in using that $1,500 to go buy other Notre Dame tickets and attend more games so you can be that? That no, the shining light and beacon. Absolutely not. Because why would I want to buy tickets to the other biggest games of the season? Because we're not. To, uh, yeah, I want to buy games so I can go to the UNLV family with the Vols. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, what am I buying? What What am I buying this ticket for? What What am I getting this extra money to buy tickets for? I'm giving up the biggest ticket of the entire season. Right, because an opposing it, fan base, so I can go to the the, you know, insert well, it, trash ACC team. But don't 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 doesn't Notre Dame football need your support then too? No, they don't need my support then. They need my support <laughs> in the biggest game of the season. I don't understand why why does it make a difference? I don't know. Did you the watch the big. Did you watch the, the two thousand Did you watch the two thousand and nineteen Georgia game? Because I did, and it sure seemed like that crowd made a difference. Right, hey, 2008, 2017 crowd made a difference too. Yeah, they had like <laughs> what nine false starts in that game. And poor Mike McGlinchey get or not Mike McGlinchey, but uh, um, Lean Eichenberg was basically like hearing ghost snaps. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I get. The, listen, I get the sentiment. I understand that they are villains. I think all Jude and I are saying is. We're old and we want the money. I'm not forgiving well, I, behavior. <laughs> Snitches get stitches and soda soda turncoats. I'm sure I Benedict think, Arnold picked up a fair price for his turncoat behavior. There's a business is business and personal. Thirty pieces of silver for Judas. Business. Yeah, there it is. Are we are we in the are we in the business of forgiving Judas now? Listen, I think that's Jesus's uh, wait, thing, but not me. What I left out in my article about making Notre Dame a more hostile place, we should have had in there like everyone has their own bag of third of thirty pieces of silver. So if you see, <laughs> so if you see, to carry around outside the stadium, and if you see a transaction you don't like, you can smoke them with it. <laughs> like a sock of nickels, right to the side of the head. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, a sock of nickels because you know, not if you have thirty pieces of silver, you're not going to give it up. It's just worth money. <laughs> oh shit! Well, I didn't. Guess I wasn't counting. I, I guess I wasn't. I wasn't going into this podcast thinking that we were just going to lay into <laughs> as, as Brendan, many as Brendan, is this as good a time as any to to mention that you've already castigated the 2017 season ticket holders as villains in a previous villains podcast? <laughs> Did I? Well, yeah. I. It's on your I list. Guess, uh, guess what? They're back on it, boys. Because uh, that it just, Cincinnati it, game. It means. It just means something. It means. It just something. means more. <laughs> I mean, look! Look at us! Like, like yelling look at, at uh, all these thought? fans about all 
about nameplates and ticket sales and all that, you'd think that we are Stuart Mandel with our fucking self-righteous <laughs> <laughs> Let me get on the soapbox. <laughs> oh, shit. I mean, is, is there is there any villains left that you, that we have to talk about? I mean, I I have a name I want to bring up. And just to get the season rolling. But I mean, Ryan Day. And not just oh, because, wow. not just because he is a villain, but it's because he, the worst person you know, made the best point. And when Jim Harbaugh said Ryan Day mm-hmm. was born on third and thought he hit a triple, yeah. it was the most, one of the most dead fucking on nuts statements anyone can make. And it was fucking Jim Harbaugh that made it. But he's right. A villain is someone who was born on third and thinks he hit a triple. And to, for you to let some let another villain be so fucking right about you makes you even more villainous. And yeah, I mean, Ryan Day is on every top fucking coaches list, yada yada. And I'm still trying to figure out why. Why? I mean, you got housed by Michigan. Not just housed, like embarrassed. Embarrassed. Tell me why you're not. Tell me. Tell me why you're so great. Because you can get all these wide receivers. No, that's Brian Hartline. That's Brian Hartline's business. And that was a carryover. Brian Hartline even was a carryover from Urban, right? I mean, you were gifted this roster by Urban Meyer. One of the. One of the pre-NIL era's great recruiting runs. And yet, what have you done with it? What have you really done with it? And yet, you lost somehow, to Alabama by more points than Notre Dame did. Yet somehow, some way, you're elite. Right? Ohio State's elite by every measure except the national championships over the last five years, Right? Seven years. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I don't I don't disagree with that. Um, I think Ohio State in general gets undue praise, um, because if you think about the Big Ten and just sort of the reputation that they have, I think that their reputation precedes them, and it it's slightly undue. Um, how many playoff appearances has Penn State been to? And like uh, let me check check my notes here. Um, well, there was there was two thousand. Well, uh, yeah. So Penn State keeps getting lumped in there. And oh, like here, it, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Yeah, you got it. Zero. Zero. Yeah, there it is. Zero. So Penn Penn State keeps getting lumped in as being I, like a pro. I demand a recount. Uh, <laughs> Michigan went to a playoff. Uh, how'd they do? Worse <laughs> uh, than Notre Dame? They did. Yeah. Uh, Michigan State did go to a playoff. How'd they do? Did they score yeah. a point? I'm still waiting for Michigan State to score their first playoff point um, in their playoff appearance. Yeah that, yeah, that didn't happen. Did Ohio State play in a playoff game where they didn't even score a point? Mm, they did. To they a man did. named Dabo. They did. Um, yeah, so, like, I, I get that. Like, Ohio – like, this has been sort of my jam leading into the season. Like, Ohio State's defense was awful last year, and – there were questions about their offensive line. Uh, they did a lot of like they lost 
to a mediocre Oregon team that was without their two best defensive players. They got trucked by Michigan. Um, I mean, they went to the playoffs in a year where they played eight fucking games. Yeah. And yet and somehow I'm supposed to sit here and the be Big worried Ten about, to, a thir- about a 13th data point for Notre Dame. The Big Ten needed to change the rules in order to get them into the Big Ten title game. Right? Uh, they had to. Yeah. Ohio State didn't qualify for the Big Ten championship game according to the rules as written, and they had to change the rules so Ohio State could go, so they could get that cash payout for Ohio State in the playoff. And the thing is, it doesn't matter if you believe in the rules or not. It's the fact that they had a list of rules. And rules are rules, man. You made like, them, and so you could break them, I guess. And like. <laughs> I'm I'm really excited for them and their performance against Utah in the Rose Bowl where they came back and won. But like I've stated numerous times on Twitter, and I don't know if I've stated it on here, but Utah was starting, starting their freshman backup running back at cornerback. They had a freshman running back who played the entire season. He had something like 60, 70, maybe 80 carries. Like You're saying not, he's not a prodigy. He is not a prodigy. This is a guy that got a legitimate amount of carries at running back, and they started him at cornerback against Ohio State. And Ohio State blew up in the second half, right, and he threw for 6,000 yards. And, like, of course, because you, you were playing a running back playing cornerback. And and you put up giant stats because Michigan State Michigan State had 130th ranked pass defense in college football last year. They they had like three scholarship cornerbacks on their roster. And in in the data points where you played good defenses, Penn State, Oregon, Michigan, you shit the bed. And I gotta listen to Ryan Day being a good coach. No, he's a villain. That's right. Jude, you got any more uh, throw on the fire real quick before we get out of here? I was just going to say the uh, the 1982 1985 Air Force Falcons because no matter what Jerry Faust did, he could never beat Air Force. <laughs> was uh, was Bo Morgan the quarterback of that year? Bo Morgan was not the quarterback. I, I, prove, <laughs> it. <laughs> prove it. Prove it. Yeah, I don't believe you. Well, I was going to go on this huge tangent about how 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 was uh, Jerry Faust supposed to beat Air Force with. Uh, Steve Young and and uh, Jim McMahon at quarterback, but then I realized that was BYU and not Air Force. So <laughs> <laughs> my blue and white teams, I got mixed up in my head. Josh, can we can we make uh, Desmond Ritter a villain? Because we don't have any players. Can we make him a villain? I mean, for going I just, for going three for three. So so Notre Dame scores. I guess I guess I don't have as much disdain for him as I. Maybe as maybe I should. I just well, Lendo, sure. Lendo White was a villain, but we we don't have any disdain for him. But but Devin yeah, Ritter, Den- Denard no. Robinson's a villain. Um, I don't have any disdain for. Well, yeah, I do. Um, yeah, I mean, Lendell White was a villain that I respected because he just he he was so villainous. Well, and, and I Des- think I don't think Ritter, eh, he can't sell it like Lendell. He ain't. He Here's ain't, the thing I would say about he Des. He ain't Lendell. Drew Pine score catches Brayden Lindsay for 32 yards and it's 17, 13 after the miss PAT eight minutes to go. And Desmond Ritter turns around 
and wins the game going three for three passing for 47 yards and then a six yard touchdown run to seal the game. That's and yet and yet I don't blame dagger. him. I blame J.D. Bertrand for not being able to cover the backup tight end t- uh, Leonard Taylor the entire game. Who J.D. was on that uh, on the on the pass? If, I'm looking at it right if now. There was, if, if, if there was a scapegoat for Notre Dame's defense that game, it was J.D. Bertrand who could not cover anything. Leonard Taylor specifically. Yeah, <laughs> specifically. And it, I mean, it was, yeah, he wasn't the only one that had a bad game, but that stood out. And if you're wondering how the second, the team's, what, was he tied for first or the second leading tackler from last year? Yeah, leading tackler. Leading tackler? Yeah. Leading tackler. Uh, if you can understand why he's not a name that's being talked about as being a quote unquote starter, so roll that Cincinnati tape one more time. I just wanted to see what your guys' favorite uh, Kevin Austin catch in that game was. The one uh, that he caught at the 50-yard line and ran for the touchdown. I mean, is is Kevin Austin a villain? Kevin Austin is definitely a villain. They won the Purdue game uh, despite his <laughs> best efforts to the contrary. To not show up. You know, the only thing about that Purdue game is is Jack Cohn probably had to sit down and drink, I don't know, six, seven fucking cups of honey tea. To soothe his throat from screaming at Austin from running the wrong goddamn route. Look, I I wish Kevin Austin all the best of luck going forward, but I really wish he had uh, shown up for us in some of those games this this past season. I mean, other, I mean, there's been a handful of Notre Dame players that have have left a year of eligibility on the table that should have returned, like Chase Walker. Darius Walker's one, but you under, but you can understand it, right? He saw he knew, that offensive Troy, line. He knew Nicholas. The, Troy Nicholas. Troy Nicholas, yeah, that that's a that's a bad one. George Atkinson wouldn't have been welcome back, but he should have stayed too. Yeah, I mean, who else? There's who people else? I mean, in the there's people out there that uh, Tommy Tremble, but I mean, Sean I Kaiser, at, the Sean Kaiser, yeah, the Sean Kaiser. Right, Kelly was right about that. He might be a villain, but he was right. I mean. I got a lot of fights with people because people were so upset. How could Brian Kelly throw them under the bus? I go, he's not throwing them under the bus. He's giving an honest evaluation, which turned out to be dead nuts right. So, well, they they in that situation, the coach is supposed to is just supposed to have seen his praises. Except there's nothing. There's no there's no bringing them back. There's no value there, right? I get it. I get it. I'm, now, I'm with we, you on that. We can argue, yeah. I think the argument actually the better argument is that he shouldn't have done it to. In public, right? Those comments right. can be can be shared with NFL scouts in private, but you shouldn't go on any radio show and say the same thing. Yeah, in public, in public, you have to be just supportive of the player. It's I like mean, it's, just, it's like when Muffet it's a was no like, win when Muffet was tweeted out her support for all the WNBA uh, Notre Dame alums that are in the WNBA and specifically omitted Jewel left Lloyd. out Jackie or Jewel Lloyd. No. Yeah, yeah, Jewel Lloyd because she hadn't graduated, right? Yeah, and she was so was salty petty. about that. Yeah, there's but, there's a well the programs. Petty. I mean, we talked about that last podcast. Like something's up with the pettiness inside that program. Yeah. But speaking, I mean, speaking of guys that left, like Rocket left with a year of eligibility on the table. Do you remember? Didn't even, Rocket didn't even go to the NFL. Right. But he was drafted number one. Right. Right. But. <laughs> Where's that guy? But I mean, it's just like uh, God. I'm trying to think of guys. Jerome Bettis. Jonas. Like Jerome. 
Jonas Gray would have killed for an extra year of eligibility. Justin Tuck. He had his reasons. But I mean, I, that's your favorite what if, right? Oh, it's one of my favorite of all time. Because if you if you have a pass rush in 05, you're playing you're playing Texas for the national championship. And honestly, as good as Justin Tuck is, I mean, I I always do with the caveat of you're gonna lose to Texas in the championship game. But I don't know, man. As good as fucking Tuck is, the USC didn't have a guy that good. No, but he's still not running down Vince Young. I don't know. It's fucking Justin Tuck. I mean, you're talking about a, 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 an NFL MVP or a Super Bowl MVP. What did Vince Young do in the league? Mm. That's, that, this is, that's Jude's favorite. That's Jude's favorite argument, isn't it? Let's use the NFL. We can use the NFL in that argument. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, Kevin Austin definitely. I, if he had just one more year of good tape, is a top three draft pick. Just based off his look at his combine numbers. If you if you could sell if you could get rid of the the baggage that you had, you could the baggage that Kevin Austin had was was off the quote unquote off the field issues, which they always equate to character, no matter if it's just dumb Notre Dame stuff or not. Like if Kevin Austin was somewhere else, that would never would have been a lot of that would never would have been an issue. But they still bring it up and it's still used against him. And then you had your first real season that wasn't injury or suspended. And you had a good season, but you also had some really bad games, a couple of really bad games in that you come back for another year, you shake all that off. And then you go from being undrafted to being a top three pick because your combine numbers are going to be either the same or better. You know what I mean? Or you could, I mean, you could completely explode your knee too, I suppose, <laughs> and not have a playing future at all. But just saying, like it's it's villainous because I got to sit here and think, hmm, what could we use? What could Notre Dame use this year? Wide receivers. Oh, that's right. There's a guy who left eligibility on the fucking table. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Like re- it, regardless of how I feel, like I I feel that a player should do whatever's in the be- his best interest that he thinks. That's for me, I that's he is. I am not his family, and I am not him. Whatever is your best interest, but what you do affects me, and so I reserve the right to call it out as villainous. And I just did. That's somebody, all. That's all I got until villains part five. Yeah. How's it? Yeah. Yeah. There will be more. This yeah. this, this offseason is already like starting to bring more to light. We didn't even bring Thank up you. Under Armour for being a villain for not selling that Marcus Freeman drip. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <Hell> yeah. <laughs> Major point of contention, which will all be resolved once that. Once that catalog goes out this summer. There's no way that does it, right? I hope like if you're so. under if you're if you're Under Armour, a struggling company, and all of a sudden you have found you have found, oh, people are loving this shit, that you are not gonna not sell that to make money. Just it's just I blame the supply chain because that's what we're supposed to do, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I blame Putin. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hands down. Villain. Absolute fucking villain. Ugh. All right. Yeah. This is like part five. Villains part four, the prelude to more. Is what <laughs> well, I think part five, right? Episode five is the best. I think we can all say emphatically that episode five is the best. So. <laughs> I think, I mean, I, the, the next villains pod will probably drop in December, right? For tradition now. Yeah. Kind of like a Star Wars release in December. And I would say there's a fair chance that there will be a, a good number of villains that surface this season. A, a good number. I hope that there's no villains and it's all just Sunshine and Roses. Oh, I don't. I fuck, bring it all on. <laughs> what, what good is college football when it's, when it's I, like that? I hope I, I hope I live long enough to become the villain. Well, if you don't die, you either die here or you become a villain. Uh, in some circles, I think I already am, Jude. <laughs> <laughs> I, I made it. <laughs> in co- as far as college football coaches go, you either get fired a hero or you uh, you make ninety five at your next job. Your <laughs> job is a villain. Oh shit! <clears throat> All right. Well, let's wrap this up then, Jude. What do you got left in the tank? I've uh, I've nothing that I can think of. So I just thank everyone for listening to us and had another enjoyable evening and look forward to uh, to recreating this. I, uh, I I don't know if you guys have plans for Memorial Day weekend, but uh, I'm actually going out of, out of town. My uh, my wife will be here, so please don't break into my house while I'm gone. Thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say maybe someone from LA. Might come out to Waterton <laughs> just to prove that point. <laughs> Yikes. I mean, I would, I would be sad to miss him, but, uh, yeah. Um, well, what would you do so, if you got a, if you got a selfie of Greg inside your house while you're on vacation, <laughs> I would be, uh, freaked out. I would be <laughs> mad. I would be, I would be sad. I would say, Oh my God, you're at my house. And I didn't, wasn't even there. So, but then I'd say, did my wife let you in? Like, I'd, like, I'd have so many questions. I'd have so well, many say, questions. Well, I was just thinking that. I'm like, well, I guess my wife did meet Greg. So that would be so, that would be yeah, so my awkward. My wife has never met Greg. So I don't think she'd be like, I don't think she'd be like, like oh, no, no, it's cool. It's cool. Uh, these are, he's, do you recognize his pants? He, he uh, sent them to me five years ago when we first became friends. <laughs> Dylan would recognize him. Yeah. <laughs> Good for him. Um, so what I was going to say was um, I, I did Brendan's favorite thing, which is I bought it at an NFT and uh, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's for the, it's for this collective called power forward. And uh, they're trying to uh, trying to raise the level of uh, um, equality in, in women's sports um, and get more attention and more uh, revenue towards them. So um, oh, yeah. They, uh, they actually, the perks were just too good to pass up besides, uh, you know, my $24 league pass. So I can watch my, uh, Arike and, uh, Marina Mayberry because I've adopted the Dallas wings to my favorite team. Cause of course, um, they have the two best Notre Dame, former Notre Dame players on them. Um, 
you get uh, you get to go courtside seats for uh, for any game that you that you want to that you can get yourself nominated for. And so we're actually going to go to a Connecticut Sun Washington Mystics game. And uh, this this weekend, I'm bringing my son, and um, we're gonna sit right on the court. So it should be is that cool. why you were asking people for their favorite? Yeah. So uh, um, I'm trying to keep this a little low key, but so putting it on a podcast is probably not the best idea. But let me oh just shit, go for it. Let, no, let me just go for it anyways, because if you hear this, then and you live in Indiana or, or uh, Minnesota, then this is probably right up your alley. So uh, we get. As as collective holders, we get to nominate people, friends and family who are not members of the collective to take these courtside seats. And they and they have seats to every game, every WNBA game. Um, And a lot of them are going unclaimed and they're particularly going unclaimed in Indiana and in Minnesota. And so that's why I kind of reached out the other day because I was like, fuck, if they're just going to go unclaimed in their courtside seats, like somebody should ought to get a, you know, enjoyable out of it. So I was kind of looking for people that had daughters that might be interested in the sport. Um, although that's not, a, none of that's a prerequisite. I mean, people have brought their girlfriends, boyfriends, mothers, um, you know, people have nominated themselves because it says, Oh, it's the end of the school year. And I just want to relax and have some fun. Um, what about a Dotson? A Dotson? I don't, I don't, I'm not sure Dotson's are a lot in the stadiums, but Hey, I mean, they should you, be. So. They should um, be. I hooked up her boy, uh, Dougie Sant with, uh, some tickets. He just got himself oh, nominated. Nice. Yeah. So, um, a friend of mine who lives in the New York city got nominated for a Liberty game. So besides myself, none of us have actually gone yet, but besides myself, I, I've gotten three successful, not or besides my nom- myself, two successful nominations, including myself, three, three. So, um, I'm working actually on a fourth with another, uh, with another ND fan and, um, and actually that one's in Atlanta. So that's, that's been pretty cool too. So, um, it looks like if you want to go in Los Angeles or New York or Seattle, those are usually uh, pretty, you know, pretty requested games. But other than that, if you want to go in Connecticut, like if you live in Connecticut, like reach out to me on Twitter, like I'm sure I can probably make something happen. So what's that Twitter handle, Jude? Uh, and DJRS. Do it. Yeah. I saw the question there. I was wondering what you were getting at. Yeah, so check out uh, Power Forward. It's pwrfwd.co for the more information about the uh, NFT. But uh, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, l- just to put this in perspective, I paid $260 for the NFT, which might sound like a lot, but the tickets that I'm um, that I'm getting for Saturday's game are $259 each. So. What if a Cincinnati fan wants to buy those from you? well in this case uh i won't be selling for any price because uh my son is oh you're 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 really excited yes i'm really loyalty shited brendan my my son's really really excited about this trip um i think he had a blast at the uh we went to a Notre Dame uh syracuse women's basketball game right before covid hit it was like literally february 2020 and um, he had a really good time because he could sit close and he could see kind of what was going on. And so he's just, he's been talking about this trip nonstop. So uh, we're just trying to keep everybody healthy. And yeah, no, uh, my tickets are not for sale because um, we're actually going to enjoy them. So. Uh, all right. Yeah. Brendan, what do you got left of the tank? Joshua. Oh. I said what I said. 
<laughs> you're dropping the mic. Is that what I you're said? What I, I said what I said. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'm always excited for a villain's pot. I can't wait for the next one. Yeah, I felt this one was. A, <clears throat> I think we could have really dunked on Kelly even more, but I mean, what's the point? <laughs> He's a fucking villain, and like, of all the podcasts we went through when we talked about tasteful displays in the Joyce or slash statues somewhere on campus, uh, felt we could have got a little more cruel. But what's the point? He's gone. Fuck him. But we'll remain a villain forever. There's, there's no coming back from this. No, absolutely. Not. And and while I and you know what, there there was a level of respect I have about it though because while I obviously he deserves to be there for his daughter's graduation, the fact that he wore a light purple shirt and a purple tie that's hardcore villain move right there. I mean that's that that that's the subtle, not so subtle genius of evil dickheads. So anyways. Alright. Well, for me, I I've, you know, I got nothing. I got I, I left it all on the table. Uh I kept all my tickets instead of selling them. And um I'm ready to uh Man, ready for ready? I'm ready for real, some real juicy shit. Feels like there's just it's, it's recruiting, which is which is fun, but also like, eh. Uh, I really do enjoy. I really do want to thank Jimbo Fisher and uh, Nick Saban for, and Deion Sanders. <laughs> Throw him in for uh, for getting involved. Lane Kiffin, Lane Kiffin got involved too. Yeah, Kiffin, man. Fucking Lane Kiffin. I love him. I love if him. He was on the, if he was on the villains list, he <laughs> is now a hero. He's now on the hero's list. He, for, I mean, until proven otherwise, God bless Lane Kiffin. Because there, you know, everyone loves a good redemption story, right? And I think Lane Kiffin might be one of the better ones. Because you go from born on third, think you hit a triple, douchebag douchery. So the person he is now, which seems like he seems more like him than than ever. Like it almost seemed like an act with with Kiffin early on in his career. Now he just seems like this is this is who Lane Kiffin is, uh, which is making fun of ugly babies. Uh, by the way, that was hilarious. That was really funny. The guy's a treasure. I, I don't want him to coach my team, but I just love watching him. So I'd take him. We, we said this, we said this before, or I think the, we brought that up before. The Joey Freshwater I'd, stuff still freaks me out. I mean, I, I realize it's a couple of years now, but I think, I, I'd, I think I'd just rather avoid that. I'd say in 20, in 2031, when Marcus Freeman takes over as the head coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes, uh, if Joey Freshwater is still, still lumping around in the college game at the, at the ripe age of like 37, <laughs> Why not? <laughs> no, Kiffin's a treasure, man. He's great. Um, but no, uh, just I don't even know what the hell I was getting at. Other than it, here, it's the summertime. This is off-season pod stuff. This is all. This is uh, we're gonna get into the fun stuff. Fuck a stat. Who cares about a stat? We'll get to stats later. 
Uh, what we have is Stuart Mandel in a soup box and ESPN fucking shining the knob of a Trojan. It's, it's brutal, but it's college football and that's what we're here for. So, uh, reminder to everybody, get on over to Apple podcasts, leave that rating, leave a review. We're looking for those five star earned Julian love earned five stars. I will not hear anything else other, uh, Whatever you leave as a review, I will read it on the next podcast. Uh, all sorts of good stuff still continuing to go up on the site. Everybody there has been great uh, over this last month. Uh, they keep turning it out. You you want uh, you, you want to have a good time? That's what we're here for. So until the next time we t- we talk for Jude and for Brendan, thanks for listening. And as always, go Irish. <laughs>